And so, um, we're going to continue. We're going to be going down to our next point uh, tonight, but I'm going to give you the ones that we got through last week. Uh, we looked at the delegation of authority. Remember in Daniel chapter 6, uh, we laid some foundation there about how that Darius set over the kingdom 120 princes and three presidents. And of course, Daniel was the first of those three. So he already had a very high position in the kingdom. And uh, how that he also, Darius said that he was wanting to set Daniel at, over the whole realm. And that's talking about a kingship. Uh, that is a pretty powerful position. But we know that the Lord didn't allow that to take place. Um, so the delegation of authority, letter A, Darius was a powerful leader of the Mede-Persian alliance. <clears throat> letter B, Darius appointed a delegation of 120 princes and three presidents over them to rule the whole kingdom because delegation is important. But we also looked at number one, how delegation requires the character to perform the task. It's not based on, on uh, identity politics, uh, gender, or you want to make sure you get the right race in there or whatever. It's who is best suited to perform the job. <laughs> That's who gets the delegation. Uh, number two, delegation requires accountability, that the princes might give accounts unto them. And so these 120 princes would give accounts to the three presidents. Number three, delegation requires loyalty and diligence. And that phrase we saw there is, and the king should have no damage. That means because of delegation, the one that's in charge should not lose anything. They shouldn't be at loss. Uh, you know, in fact, they should be gaining by delegating, not losing. And so if a, a leader loses by delegation, well, then obviously delegation isn't working. <laughs> Amen. And better not even delegate. Uh, so what we want to do is delegate so that we gain, not so we lose. And so that's what he's saying there. Uh, letter A, I was giving you some uh, qualifications according to what we saw in Exodus with Moses, how he delegated Jethro, his father-in-law, uh, gave him some instructions, some advice, uh, and Moses took it because it was just too much for him to look after all the problems of Israel. But he gave them some qualifications. He says, men that fear God, they were able men such as fear God, letter B, Men of truth, because that way they don't lie uh, in their delegation. They won't lie uh, to get their own way. They'll always be truthful. That's an aspect of delegation we have to keep in mind. If someone's putting some responsibility on you, even on the job or wherever, you have to be truthful. Don't lie to them. Amen. And letter C is hating covetousness. And of course, this is mo mostly because in positions of authority, you can gain uh, money, you can gain possessions, especially through bribery, different things like that. And so men that are in positions of leadership ought not be covetous. They ought not, uh, you know, sacrifice their integrity for, um, to gain things, no personal gain. Um, so a man that puts money ahead of duty will betray you as Judas did to Jesus Christ. And that's what always his, his clincher was always money. He had the bag and uh, that's why he even when Mary anointed Jesus' feet, uh, he's the one that piped up and said, hey, we could have given that to the poor. But he didn't care about the poor. He was just caring about the money. Amen. And he cared very little about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and sacrificing everything you have to the Lord Jesus Christ. Letter C, we're going to look at Daniel showed distinguished leadership. And this is where we left off last week. Um, and I'll read this. Uh, start in verse number one again. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. And so I think that's there for a reason. The Lord wants us to understand the character of Daniel. He was the first president over three presidents uh, over 120 princes. So that tells me if the king is wanting accounting, He's wanting no damage, and he put Daniel as the first president. He obviously believes that Daniel is the man of the most integrity that would gain him the most 
and that was most honest and everything. Amen? And so that's what got him to that position because he had integrity and character. Uh, number three then, or verse number three, then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. So the king in his mind came to the place where he thought because of Daniel and his integrity and his loyalty that he had no problem saying, you know what, I'm going to step aside and I'm going to go deal with some other business with the Median Empire and I'm going to let you rule over Babylon. That is a powerful position over the whole realm. The realm, uh, here we have some, uh, well first here, preferred uh, is to be to distinguish oneself. It means to show oneself a leader, to show one's skills and leadership ability. Amen. And that's why many times I, I think in the church, sometimes what we expect is just because I show up, I should be given some kind of, of a position. <laughs> you know, that's not the way it is. Uh, folks, if it's not that way on the job when it has to do with money, why would it be that way in the church when it has to do with eternal souls? Amen. I mean, the, the money is the least. Your job place is the least. That is less important than what's going on here in the house of God. Because this is dealing with eternity. This isn't dealing with the temporal. This isn't dealing with your paycheck. It, paychecks are important and you ought to have paychecks and so forth. But folks, the house of God is worth fighting for. Amen. It's worth having an integrity for. And we got to make sure that we keep our character right and you know what? If we do, the Lord will exalt you and put you in the place where God can use you to your fullest capability. Amen? Amen? But many times we keep ourselves suppressed. We keep ourselves down because we're not willing to pay the price. Or we just don't think that it's a priority. It's not that important. As long as I'm getting preached to, get a little bit of truth, I'll go home and feel good about myself. That's not the local church. <laughs> the local church is a body of believers that work together, that we can do God's will on this earth in the short period of time that we have. That's my heart, and I hope all of you have that same heart, amen? That's what it ought to be. And if you don't get it right, man, get it right, <laughs> because we got a short time to do this work, and we've got to get it done, amen? And let's make sure we can work together as one body and go get it done. That's so important. And so preferred, distinguish yourself. Uh, show yourself as a leader. Show the skills and the leadership ability that God has given you through the power of his Holy Spirit. Each one of us have giftings of the Holy Spirit that God wants to use in your life so you can make a difference in this world. Amen. And the only way that you're going to flesh out those gifts is through the local body. You will never do it on your own. You can't do it solo. It has to be done within the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's so important to understand that. Number one, Daniel had an excellent spirit. It says that he was preferred. Why? Because he had an excellent spirit was in him. The word excellent means designating something as excellent or outstanding. Uh, basically, you've heard the quote, your attitude will determine your altitude. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I know I talked to my father-in-law quite a bit, and he works in the fire department. I think right now they're actually working at getting some firefighters together, and they're, they're doing some testing, and they got a whole bunch of men that want to be firefighters, but there's only like a, a select few that are going to make it in. Amen. And then you know what? That's the way it is. You know, God's the same way. The Bible says, many are called, but few are chosen. Amen? Think about that. I don't want to be just the one that are called. I want to be the one that's chosen. I want God to pick me and say, Lord, and say, hey, I want to use you for something here. I don't, I'm not just happy being called to serve. I want to be chosen to serve. Amen? Yeah. Chosen. Chosen by God himself. And you know what? There's no greater thing than to be chosen by God to do something for his honor and for his glory. And so your attitude, that's what it all comes down to. And I'm sure if you'd ask my father-in-law, you'd say, what criteria do you go by? I bet a lot of it has to do with what's going on in here and not so much what's in here. Yeah. Amen? A lot of people think it's my talents and abilities. Uh-uh, you know what it is? Your attitude, your heart, 
the way you can you care about people and have compassion on people and things like that amen it's so important and uh, we all have had nightmares with people on the jobs that didn't have the right attitude, amen? And it's a nightmare. You dread going to work. You dread spending time with these people. Because day in, day out, you say, man, they're the best people. I, I remember I had one guy one time, and he was one of the best operators uh, that you could possibly even, I, I would never even come close to his talent. But you know what? I couldn't work with a guy. He just had a bad attitude, amen? And finally he says, you know, Dad, uh, I know he's good and everything, but you know, it just doesn't work. We had to let him go. Yet he was the most qualified as far as the job is concerned, but he had the, the worst attitude. Isn't that something? A- attitude is what determines your altitude. It's not always how good you are at everything. You say, oh, I'm not talented. Well, stop sucking your thumb and realize you can do exactly what you need to do to be used if you just have the right attitude. It's called the spirit. Daniel had an excellent spirit. You notice that's how, how the king defined him. That's how the king saw him, his spirit. Boy, when you have the right spirit, people want to be with you. Amen. They want to trust you. They want to uh, use you for, for purposes and so forth. So what caused Daniel to become that great leader was that he had an outstanding attitude. An excellent spirit encapsulates all that's good that can be seen in a spirit. Daniel had it all. Think about this. An excellent spirit is not just one character trait. There's many character traits that, inv- that is involved in an excellent spirit. If I'm talking about a spirit that's outstanding, it's more than just saying, oh, he's honest. <laughs> that's just one part of it. There's a bunch of other things that make us excellent in our spirit, all right? And I want to give you a couple of these today. Letter A, Daniel had a contrite spirit. This is what makes an excellent spirit. Uh, Psalm 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. This is so important. You know, some people, they're so haughty and proud and they think they got it all together and you need me and if I wasn't here, you wouldn't make money. I remember one guy came into our shop one time and he was just bragging how that his boss would lose all that money if he didn't work for him. Now, you can't get that over on my dad because he's an old school businessman. He knows exactly what's going on. <clears throat> he goes up and he says, are you, are you also carrying part of the debt? Well, no. <laughs> You got, you're risking nothing, son. You can go to the job and get your, your, your pay per hour. You can walk away from that. That boss has to take that risk with him every day of his life. Yeah. Amen. Don't think you're so good. That's why I think an excellent spirit is someone that, that has a contrite spirit. It's not someone that thinks they're God's gift to the workplace or God's gift to the church. Or God's gift. You know, I've had some people say, you know, it wouldn't be for me. <laughs> well, my goodness. You don't say that in the house of God. Like I've always said, in this, in this body, there is no identity except for Jesus Christ. You lose your name here. Amen? You want glory for things you've done. <laughs> well, then how about taking also the condemnation for the things you have not done? Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Maybe we should just suck it up, you know, and just be happy that the Lord has used us in any way whatsoever. And I was thinking about that today, how that the Bible tells, that, tells us that a true servant deems himself as unprofitable. Do you understand if you'll always look at yourself and your service as unprofitable, you will always be striving to be better? But as soon as you think you're profitable, now pride is rested in. Now somehow... God can't use you anymore. He resists you. So that contrite spirit is vital, is vital to being used of God and to be exalted in in the place that he wants you to be. So basically the word contrite means destruction. It means a crumbled substance, an object crushed into powder. 
a pulverized dust, meaning to crush or to beat in pieces. That means the Lord has broken you. You are broken in your own flesh, in your own abilities. You're saying, God, I could do nothing without you. I'm completely dependent upon you. I am completely unprofitable unless you use me for something, God. I can do nothing without you. I'll tell you, that's the kind of spirit that Daniel had. He always gave glory to God. Even when the king of the whole nation would come to him and say, Oh, Daniel, the great Daniel. <laughs> He'd say, Hey, don't look at me, man. <laughs> the only reason I could do this is because my God in heaven. He would always deflect glory to the Lord God of glory. Amen. Yeah. He's the one worthy. So Daniel had a contrite spirit. Letter B, Daniel had no guile in his spirit. I love this passage here. Uh, Psalm 32, verse 2, it says, Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. No guile. Oh, my friend, guile in your spirit will, will totally disqualify you from being used of God. No guile. Amen. I like it when Jesus told Nathaniel when he saw him, when he came to him, he says, truly an Israelite in whom there is no guile. Can you imagine have Jesus Christ telling, saying that about you? <laughs> truly a Christian in whom is no guile. <laughs> what is guile? Guile means deceit. It means treachery. It means, um, let me miss my spot here. It means a steadfastness. It refers to a loose character. In a sense of slackness, a laziness, a lack of diligence, or a lack of attention. It's a manipulator. These are the guys on the job that manipulate to get the hours. These are the guys on the job that, that don't give all and they only, they only give them what they think they're getting paid for. Amen? That's guile. Treachery. In the church, we have to be very careful of guile. We can become hypocrites very easily. We can put on a show for everybody when really in your heart... You're not with us. You don't love the people of God. I love you guys. Be, be careful. <laughs> You're starting to get critical of people. The devil has got found a way in your heart. That's guile. And if you got guile, you'll never go forward for God. You're going to lose everything God gave you. All purpose, all direction, all, all, all position that he has for you. Uh, later on, the rewards in heaven, everything is lost. If we have guile in our spirit, amen? Oh, be careful of guile. That treachery, that deceit, the lying, the manipulation, it's ungodly. Letter C, Daniel had a right spirit. In Psalm 51, verse 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. This is a spirit that has confessed sin. You've confessed your sin. This is a spirit that's right with God. This is a spirit that's in tune with God. This is a spirit that has nothing between you and the Savior. Amen? Amen? That means you get up every morning, you make sure there's nothing inside your heart that is hindering God from working in your life. <laughs> that's what David said in Psalm 51, verse 10. He had sinned. He had sinned against God in, in the adultery with Bathsheba, the murder of her husband. <laughs> you would think God would just write him off. God didn't. Isn't that amazing, guys? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? God is, you know what, the, the only thing, <clears throat> can I tell you what people just need to do? Just get right. Amen. You know how I know when someone's not right? They start bringing up everything else that somebody else did wrong. Because they've missed what the whole thing's all about. Yeah. It's not about what people have done wrong. It's about what's wrong with you. It's about what you haven't gotten Right? Amen. Like I get people throwing stuff at me and talking about people that have already gotten right. And I'm supposed to deal with it? What am I supposed to do? If you'd ask the Lord about it, he'd say, I don't even know what you're talking about. Because as far as the east is from the west, I've removed your transgressions from you. Then why in the world are people talking about it? <laughs> I'll never bring up something that people have gotten right. That's wicked. People are doing that to disguise their own sin. Their own wickedness. It's not about whether someone has done wrong or who's worse than the other person. You know what it's about? Who is right? Who is right right now? Do you understand that all of us here could be right? 
We could have, be right with God tonight. And all it takes is a confession to the Lord, and you can have a right spirit tonight. <laughs> and everything you've ever done has now been removed from you as far as the east is from the west. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's the way I want to operate. As a pastor, you know what I deal with? This is the only thing I deal with. Things that have not been made right. But I don't deal with things that have been made right. You get that? It's pretty simple, isn't it? But you know what the devil does? He messes up your thinking. He gets you focused on what people have made right and gets you to forget what people are doing wrong. You get that? Keep your spirit right. Confess it. Get it cleansed before God. That's what it's all about. It's amazing how fast someone can go from the most decrepit sinner in the world to the most righteous saint. <laughs> Amen. We're talking one prayer away. We're talking one humbling of the heart away. It's so simple. Folks, it's so easy if we will just do it. Amen. Does that convict your heart? It ought to. It convicts me too. Isaiah 26 verse 9 says this. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. So this, this uh, Isaiah, he's talking about uh, in his spirit, he is seeking the Lord. See, that's a spirit that's right. See, when you're seeking the Lord and you're going to him in prayer, you find yourself throughout the day bowing down and talking to God and, and, and asking God to do a great work in the church and help the people of the church and help the people here and there. That's a right spirit. You're drawing near to God and you're catching a bit of the spirit that he has for you. So you'll have the same spirit as he has because you're drawing close to him. That's a right spirit. Amen. Of course, you remember how I've said that your spirit is the part of you that draws, nice to God, that draws nigh to God. That's the part of you that connects to the invisible, connects into glory. That's the part of you that in your devotions is, is getting fed by God through your spirit. Amen. It's got to be more than an emotional experience. It's got to be a spiritual experience in the center of your being. Psalm 15 verse 4, it says... A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Think about that. When people are, are firing off ungodly things and criticisms and, and all these different things, that's because there's a breach in the spirit. There's a breach in the relationship with God. See, when you're close to God, you don't talk like that. <laughs> Amen. When you're close with God, you don't, you don't behave like that. But if you're cursing and you're doing all kinds of ungodly things and criticizing and gossiping all the time, I'll tell you why that is. You're not close to God. Who do you judge, preacher? I'm just saying what the Bible says. <laughs> There's a breach. And it can happen to all of us, no matter who you are. Amen? We've got to be careful. So when we're talking about an excellent spirit, we're talking about a spirit that has no guile. We're talking about a spirit that's right we're talking about a spirit that is contrite. Uh, the fourth one here, letter D, Daniel had a faithful spirit. Oh, I've been thinking a lot about this one lately. Proverbs 11 verse 13 says this, A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Yeah. Wow. A faithful spirit. So folks, if you know somebody that's just gossiping about people, you know what you know right off the bat? They don't have a faithful spirit. You can't trust them. You can't trust them, I'll tell you why, because what's going to happen is they're going to do the same thing to you. You're going to sit around there and get involved in all this talk, amen? And also next week, you're on the agenda. <laughs> faithful spirit has no loyalties. Faithful spirit, or an unfaithful spirit has no loyalties. But a faithful spirit does. Why is that? Why would a faithful spirit contain a matter? It's, oh, you're trying to hide something. <laughs> no, you're trying to protect somebody. That's different than hiding. The rebellious will call it hiding. The faithful will call it loving people. The Bible says, love covereth a multitude of sin. 
What is interesting, the same people that are going to criticize you or uh, call you a gossip are the one that's gossiping. <laughs> Amen. Daniel had a faithful spirit. This is a spirit that seeks to protect people and knows the importance of concealing information that may hurt a person. That's a faithful man. <laughs> you want God to use you? You want to have a good spirit? You want to have an excellent spirit? You've got to have a faithful spirit. That's why God will raise up men in this, in this church that are going to be faithful, that he needs you. God needs faithful men in this church because there's, we're in a battle. We're in a constant battle, not against people. It's against Satan. I've been praying all week against Satan. I'm not praying against people. I'm wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And it's amazing how we can weave that web and deceive people into making it about the flesh and blood battle. It's not about flesh and blood. It's a spiritual, demonic attack. And that's why we pray. That's why we fight. Amen. Who's the man that's going to win that battle? The one with the faithful spirit. You won't get involved in that battle on the wrong side. Amen. Daniel had a faithful spirit. Letter E. Daniel had a committed spirit. Numbers 14 verse 24 says this, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land wherein he went, and his seed shall possess it. Here you got God himself seeing the spirit of Caleb and saying, Now that man, He's got another spirit in him. You know, we had a bunch of, bunch of uh, men there, the 12 spies, 10 of them. All they could see was defeat. All these, they were just pessimists. We can't do this. We can't overcome that. <laughs> Caleb wasn't like that. He had a, he had a trust in his God. Yeah. He believed that God could do it. He's mean to one guy says, hey, there's no way we can do this. They're way too big for us. Caleb looks at him and says, we are well able to overcome. You talk about two ends of the spectrum. You talk about complete defeat to complete victory. Amen. What was the difference between this guy and that guy? Well, this guy said, you know what? He says, oh, we are but grasshoppers in their sight. He was comparing himself to the giants. You know what he was doing? He was comparing the giants to his God. <laughs> That's what you got to do. That's how you win the battle. That's how you get the good spirit inside of you. You start measuring all these problems against you, you're going to be just like the ten spies. You start measuring your problems against your God. You know what you're going to do? You're going to start saying, you know what? We are well able to overcome this. Boy, lately, I've been, I've been just seeking to trust God more. Looking at his church, realizing that I don't have the power to do this. But my God does. Oh, he's so faithful. He will fight for us. He will, folks. There is no enemy that can come against us. <laughs> as long as we keep measuring our problems against our God. But it's about your ability. <laughs> it's about you then you're going to be defeated. That's a wrong spirit. But Caleb had another spirit that was a committed spirit. And because of that, it, goes, it, it says here, because he had another spirit with him and hath fully or followed me fully. So how much did he follow him? Fully. How much should you follow him? Fully. There should not be a person on this planet that keeps you away from the things of God. If there is, you're not following him fully. See, Daniel had a spirit. The reason why God used him the way he did, he completely abandoned himself to God. And we see it in this chapter a little bit later when it came down to even death. He says, you know what? I'm just going to trust God. And God fought for him. He did nothing. All he did is what he always did. He didn't have to fight. He didn't have to lift a sword. He didn't have to do anything. Amen? Boy, we got a good God. Faithful spirit. Committed spirit. A spirit with no guile, a right spirit, and a contrite spirit. These are things that are going to make up the whole substance of an excellent spirit. And there's probably more. Amen? But these are the ones I found. All right? 
And so, uh, number two, oh, no, yeah, number two, the king planned to set Daniel over the whole realm. I've already talked about this, and we'll just move on. The reason why that's important is I, I think that became an issue with the other presidents and with the other princes. Because what we see here is when people start going against him, it's not just the princes. It's his fellow guys, the two presidents that were beside him. They all turned against them. Number two, the devices of the wicked. So in verse four and five, it says this. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, we shall not find an occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So letter A, the wicked look for a reason to accuse him. To accuse him. So they sought. That means they were looking for something to come to pass. They were, they were keeping their eyes open. They were spying to see whether there was something that he would do that they could nail him with. <laughs> Amen. That's a wicked spirit. An occasion is a basis for charges. It employs in a technical legal sense of a cause for allegation, a basis for accusing someone. Amen? Now, folks, for me, I hate having to deal with problems in the church. <laughs> I wish that everybody would just be nice. Amen? Just go forward. Love God. Just we got so many souls to reach, man. We've got more work than we know what to do with. We can't waste time dealing with stuff that, that really is a waste of our time. Amen? But you know something? There are people out there that go out of their way to seek for trouble. Yeah. Seek for it. They look for allegations. They look for an occasion. That's what these men were like. They had an agenda. They didn't want this person telling them what to do. They didn't want Daniel. He had an excellent spirit. He was doing right. And they wanted to take him down. So what did they do? Started to be critical. I'm sure they sat around and had their little gossip sessions every day. What did you find? Well, I found nothing. What did you find? Well, nothing. <laughs> Looking for something to take him down with. <laughs> the two presidents and the 150, 120 princes worked together. To find fault with Daniel so they could accuse him of something. Why they did this can only be assumed. But it was not because they were concerned for the kingdom. Think about that. Do you think that these men were concerned about the realm of Babylon? Do you think that they were just so interested in the welfare of the kingdom that they just had to take Daniel down? No, in fact, opposite. What they were going to do was going to hurt the kingdom. <clears throat> See, when people are like this, that's what they always do. Same thing it'll be in your family. Same thing it'll be on the job site. When they start doing that, they don't care about the company. They don't care about whether the company makes money or loses money. They're just out there attacking, attacking. And by doing that, they're actually hurting the bottom dollar of that business. Amen? That's not good integrity at all. Same thing in the church. Folks, that's no way to operate in the local New Testament church. Remember this, Jesus Christ's body. And I've been thinking about this. You know, the Bible says in the last days, there will be no fear before their eyes. No fear of God. We ought to fear God. We ought to fear messing up what God is doing in this place. Amen. We ought to fight for the purity and holiness of this body. We've got to stand together on that. Now, if you can't do that, then this isn't the place for you. Amen? You want to live in sin? This isn't the place for you. I want to help you. And I always have, folks, there's not one person I've ever turned down that came to me. And I've dealt with some of the wickedest sins, sins, sins that you haven't even thought of. And I've never turned someone away. It's not about whether someone's a sinner. That's why the church is here. We're a hospital. But I'll tell you, you dig your heels in against God. Oh, we got to fear God. That's what David feared when he went against Saul. He knew Saul was a rascal. And he says, this guy's out to kill me. But you know what? He still would not raise his hand against him. He says, because God put him there. And if God put him there, I will not raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. 
Amen. That's why even on the job site, even in the home, a father, a mother, they ought to be respected and honored. Amen. Never put down, never, you know, made to look bad or so forth, and never gossiped about and never attacked. A father ought to be respected in the home. Well, my dad, he's no, well, you're no good either. There ain't nobody good. There's none good, no, not one. But all I know is if God set up that place in the home, he wants you to respect it. Amen. On the job too, he's got a lot to say about employers. Now, now you don't have to keep going to the same job. If you can't handle it, go get another job. Just do it right. Amen. Put in your two weeks notice, go get a different job if you can't handle it. But don't cause problems. Same as in church. You don't like the church, it's fine. I mean, you can go. Anybody can go. I'm not going to chain anybody to a pew amen, or a chair. No way. You know who I want to be here? People that love God and people that love this church. I love it, man. I love this church. I've given everything for this church. I'm going to fight to the death for this church. And we need some men and women of God that will do the same thing. You know what we'll have then? We're going to have a lighthouse to be reckoned with by the spiritual world, and we are going to overcome. But it's going to take sacrifice. The devil will launch his attacks on us. He will seek to take us down. And that's why it's so important to keep your heart right, no matter what. Constantly, every day, keep your spirit right before God. Never walk in the back doors with a sour spirit. Get, in, get on your knees before you enter in. Say, Lord, prepare me for the house of God. Prepare me for your courts, Lord. Prepare me to be with your people. But don't let me poison the house of God. Amen. God help us. Why did they do this? Good question. Why did they do this? You know, in all the times I've ever dealt with people rebelling in the church, uh, disciplinary meetings, and I've been through several of those, I've never been able to figure out that question. <laughs> Why? That's something you just can't, you can't figure out. You know, when, I, once, when I've, uh, I've come to this conclusion, that with all of us, we get offended. And if your offenses are left unchecked, those offenses build in your heart. If you allow those offenses to build in your heart, all it needs is a spark. What's the spark? A demonic force. All it needs is the devil. You know, the devil's at the heart of all rebellion. Every last bit of it. And what he will do, he'll take ten different people with all different offenses, gather them together to rebel against the same person or the same church or the same job site or the same whatever, same family, you know. We need to understand that's how it works. If you have an offense in here, you're already being set up to be used by the devil. That's why the Bible says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Nothing. A person that spends time in the word of God and believes the truth and, and gives her heart to the truth won't be offended. You know what you'll do? You'll forbear and you'll forgive over and over, over and over, till Jesus comes. You'll continue to forbear and to forgive. But you start harboring that. I'll guarantee you this. The day is coming where the spark will hit. And then you'll have to make your choice. What side you're going to take. Amen. I know. I've been a Christian a while. <laughs> you know. I've seen it happen. I've pastored a while. I've seen them come and go. <laughs> and I'm just warning us folks. Be careful. Be careful. I love you far too much to see you go. I want to see you stay. <laughs> Amen. And I love folks. I always say this, if you got something against me, come and talk to me about it. And we'll settle it out. Way better doing that than harboring it. You're going to end up being a tailbearer. And a tailbearer is not a faithful spirit. And you may be spreading lies, error, false information. And that's even worse. <laughs> Amen. Be careful. Let her be.
The wicked could not find occasion or fault concerning the kingdom. And that's what it says here, concerning the kingdom. In the kingdom, meaning his duties and responsibilities to the king in the kingdom. People usually start criticizing how someone performs their duties. Right on the job, isn't that the way it is? If you want to put somebody down or, or put them in their place, or maybe they're getting lifted up and you're not, first thing you want to do is point out what he's doing wrong. <laughs> and that's what they're trying to do with Daniel. They're trying to pick, pick apart his duties and whether he was faithful at doing it or whether he made mistakes when he was doing his accounting or not. Maybe they double-checked his, his adding and subtracting. <laughs> Amen. Looking for anything. Man, this man was diligent. He double-checked his adding and subtracting. He made sure he was faithful doing the duties that he was supposed to do. They couldn't find one thing on him. Was he perfect? Well, by reading this text, you'd think he was. But he wasn't perfect. There's no man that ever has been. But you know something? He sure was a whole lot more perfect than these other guys. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) He had allowed the Lord to do a maturing work in his life that these men couldn't come close to because they didn't have God in their life. Amen? And so, if one is not diligent in his work, he will begin to pick at the work that someone else is doing. And I find this over and over when you go to the job site, if someone isn't good at what they're doing, or they, maybe they feel inferior because they got lie-based thinking about themselves. It happens all the time. What they do is they pick on the one that is doing the job, trying to look for error. Jesus had this testimony of being uh, that there was no fault, as well as Daniel. So did Joseph. Joseph, they couldn't find anything wrong with him either. It was just false accusations. Pilate said he found no fault in this man when he was talking about Jesus. Accusers will always try to find something more, even if it is something that you cannot control. That's the most frustrating thing with me as a pastor. When, when someone comes at me, it's always something I can do nothing about. <laughs> because the devil wants to frustrate me. And I'm supposed to fix everybody else. Amen? Can I tell you this? If you've got a problem with somebody, you go to that person. Coming to me, so I've got to stick my nose into everybody's business, all you're doing is setting me up for more knives in my back. I had one person tell me recently, they said, well, I don't think you did that fast enough. You didn't deal with it. <laughs> I says, when I deal with something, I'm very careful. Because when I get involved, you know, everybody else walks away, And I'm the one bleeding in the end. I'm the one with the knife in the back. And yet I had nothing to do with the situation. It's only because I got involved. So no, I'm not just going to jump on your situation. (laughs) Amen. I'm not just going to jump into your little things and battles and so forth. You need to work some things out for yourself sometimes. And if I have to get involved, then you know what? Then it's a big issue. Then it's a church issue. Then it's something that involves the welfare of the the body as a whole. It's become something that has become public. And then I have to deal with it and make it right. And I'll tell you something. What I always do is when I deal with people, I always try to make it right. This last summer, I spent several situations where I had to go to people just so they would get right with one another. They did. But guess who got the knife? <laughs> because I got involved. <laughs> you see, if you've got a problem with somebody, go to them. And if you can't go to them, if you've got a problem, don't bring it to me. <laughs> You're just trying to set me up. You get that. <laughs> I wish I could explain it better, but man, it's just, sheesh. Anyways, number one, Daniel was faithful. He was faithful. Faithful. He could trust in him. He could put one's faith in him. You know, the scripture talks about that a faithful man uh, or an unfaithful man is like a broken, uh, broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Putting your confidence in the faithful man, unfaithful man. And how true that is. Faithful people can be trusted and depended upon. And you know, sometimes I pray, I say, Lord, 
Who is it that I can trust? Who is it that is faithful? Who is it that I can trust with this particular thing? And the Lord will actually show me people. He'll show me faces. He'll show me names. He'll say, you can trust that person. He says, Lord, really? I'm scared of doing that. (laughs) He says, you can. You know what I want? I want to be able, when I pray that, I can think of every person in this room. Everybody here can be trusted. That'd be so great. Boy, this church would be powerful. (laughs) We'd be able to do a lot, amen? Letter A, the faithful will not be liars. Like these men, they were liars. They were looking for ways to deceive and manipulate. A faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. It's very difficult dealing with a liar. Sometimes it's just your word against his or that his word against someone else or her word against this person or whatever. And, you know, how do you sort all that out? Anybody that's in leadership knows that when it's one person against another, even though you may know that this other person's lying, there's no way to prove it. You know, in those kind of situations, you know, you know, the Lord is going to deal with that. Some of those things you just got to put in God's hands because you just can't sort through. You can't spend the rest of your life you know, filtering through the web of lies, <laughs> you know. Letter B, the faithful will admit weaknesses. That's why it says in Proverbs 20, verse 6, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. So that means that someone that is proclaiming their own goodness is not a faithful man. <laughs> so you'll never be touting, blue, tooting your own horn if you're a faithful man. <laughs> you'll realize because you're meek, and because you know that you could just as well fall as the next guy, you know that you've got no business proclaiming your own goodness. That you're weak. And you know you're weak. Faithful men understand that they've got to be careful. They've got to put a guard up. They've got to make sure they verify. Because you know that you, you can't just figure everything out just like that. It takes time. The faithful letter C are preserved by the Lord. In Psalm 31, verse 23, it says, O love the Lord, all ye as saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful, and plentiful rewardeth the proud doer. (laughs) Folks, just think about that. Be faithful, and the Lord will preserve you. That's been my heart since I got here. I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. If I can be faithful, the Lord is going to preserve me. That's the promise. Psalm 101, verse 2, it says, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. And when, and when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Amen. That's someone that's careful of their, their connections and, and who they're hanging with and so forth. Hey, if this is wicked work, I want nothing to do with it. I'm not going to let that cleave to me. I'm saying, bye-bye, buddy. (laughs) Amen. I want to keep my life right. I want to keep it pure. A froward heart shall depart from me. That means a harsh heart. I will not know a wicked person who so privily slandereth his neighbor. Him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. Think about that. Privily slandering. Where does the slander take place? When you walk in the door, back door of the church? <laughs> no, sir. That's where everybody's... Do, 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 do. <laughs> the private slander is later. Just think about this. The Bible says right there, if you're, if you're privately slandering, he says, I will cut you off. Fear God. Fear God. Fear God. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all the wicked doers from the city of the Lord. Oh my. Now, I understand, you know, you're here today, Pastor, I'm in church, and I know that, you know, you're probably not one of these. <laughs> you're probably not one of the wicked people. But you know what this ought to do? You know, at the same time, I remember one time that my uh, college instructor did a lesson on tailbearing. And he did it so well, the whole class was just under great conviction. I didn't even know why, but I just felt bad. <laughs> you know, because, man, you know, you may not be a tailbearer, 
But you got to be careful because those characteristics can show up in your life. You can become men. That's why we preach these things. Not because I... <laughs> but I'm telling you, all these characteristics, be careful. The froward heart, uh, you know, working deceit. I mean, we need to fear God. That's the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Wisdom is... <laughs> And you'll keep yourself safe. You'll become a faithful man. You'll be able to dwell within his house. Number two, they can find no error or fault in Daniel. Letter A, Daniel fulfilled his duties. Error means a failure, neglect, or an offense. It refers to a failure to perform or to carry out one's responsibilities in a certain matter. So they were looking for sloppy work. They were looking for wrong calculations. They were looking at the very duties themselves. Letter B, Daniel was without corruption. The word fault means to corrupt. They were looking for bribes. They were looking for greed. They were looking for disloyalty, and they could find none with Daniel. Letter C, they began to look for accusations concerning God's law. It says in verse 5, Then said these men, We shall not find occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Would others find occasion against us on the job or in our family concerning the law of our God? You know, you got a whole world out there. They don't care about following God. But because you say you do, they're going to hold you to it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, they're not going to care. They're going to live like the devil. But you're the one that says you're a light. You're the one that says you're a follower of the Lord. You're the one that's saying, hey, I'm a child of God. And you know what? They're going to hold you to it. Will they find you guilty of the law of God? Would you be so predictable that you could be charged with faithfulness to your God? Like they did with Daniel? Are you so faithful that they know they'll find you in the house of God if they want to round you up one night? All they got to make sure is that Check out on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and you'll be there. Yeah. I know I've talked to Christians, they like to be mysterious. Christians are not supposed to be mysterious. Yeah. Christians are supposed to be predictable. Yeah. And that's what Daniel was. They knew they would find something against Daniel concerning the law of his God. <laughs> because he followed it faithfully. They were not going to accuse him of disobeying God's law, but they were looking on his obedience to God's law. <laughs> Amen. That's why you get that bumper sticker, you know. If you, if, you, if you were charged with being a Christian, is there enough evidence to convict you? <laughs> they could not find a dereliction in duty, so they will find a conflict between Daniel's loyalty to God and the kingdom. See, that's what's going on today. You know, with COVID, that's what it was. COVID was the accusers looking for whether you, have, whether you can be accused of loyalty to God over the kingdom. And I'm sorry to say, many Christians chose the kingdom over the law of God. Now, I'm not talking about vaccines and stuff like that. I'm talking about other things. <laughs> vaccines are the, the minor thing. I'm talking about faithfulness. People still not going to church because of that. Number three, the deception of the king. My goodness, I have to give you these blanks. So then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. You know why? Because we just love you. And we just want you to rule from this day forward forever. Because we are just your most faithful and loyal servants. And all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions." Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it, that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. 
Let array the deceivers flattered the king. They flattered him. Oh, live long, O Darius. Oh, Darius, we want everybody to worship you and pray to you and to you alone. <laughs> Amen. Because they were so concerned that people would glorify the king that much. No, they weren't concerned of what got glorified. They were concerned of what they could tear down. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 19, He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets, therefore meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. This guy's trying to tear it down. He's trying to, he's trying to mess up relationships. He's trying to destroy people. And that's why it says, Meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. They come at you all flattering. You just walk away. You don't fall for it. That's one thing that we've learned in ministry. Uh, Lee Robertson said it. You die to criticism. You die to compliments. Oh, pastor, you're my hero. Well, until next week, you know, you can help me pull the knife out. <laughs> you get that? There's not a one person that flatters with his lips that cannot hurt you. So you die to it. You don't get manipulated by people's compliments. You don't get manipulated by their criticism. You just do the right thing. <laughs> you just keep doing the right thing. That's how we're going to get through these things. That's how we're going to make it through the battles of life. We've got to just keep doing right. Was it Bob Jones Sr. that said, do right, do right. If the, if the stars fall, keep doing right. Do right. <laughs> Amen. Psalm 5 verse 9, it says, For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. That tongue, I'll tell you. These men used the king's pride to make a decree. They did not believe the king was a god, but they knew that this would place Daniel's loyalty to God against the king. So what they were trying to do, they knew that Daniel worshipped God. So how do we create a contention? How do we create a battle, an argument? Let's make the king a god, and let's require people to only be faithful to that god. Boy, these were snakes in the grass. Amen? Letter B, the deceivers manipulated others. Notice what it says there. All, it says, all the presence of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute. Now, at the beginning, it was just about the presidents and the princes. But now, all of a sudden, we've got captains and counselors. <laughs> Amen. This, this uh, horde is growing here. This rebellious crowd is growing. And so the Bible says many times in the church, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump, and it begins to grow, and more people get on board with those things. Amen. That's what happened here. How does that work anyways? Well, I know that 1 Samuel 15, verse 23 says, For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. Folks, rebellion, uh, my pastor has always said this, he says, you get two rebels in the room that don't know each other, by the end of the night they'll be sitting beside each other. Because it's witchcraft. I'll tell you today, I believe with all my heart that every rebellion is born of Satan himself. And without the devil, there'd be no rebellion. We know that by the, when he's put into the bottomless pit for a thousand years, no rebellion for a thousand years until he gets released. And all of a sudden he deceives the nations and everybody's rebelling again. <laughs> Amen. Be careful of that witchcraft. It'll cast a spell on you. You start hearing these things. It'll work, work its way into your heart. You need to go to the scripture and say, what should I do? How should I handle this information? How should I handle this situation? And do the right thing, because that's the only way you'll free yourself from that deceptive web that the devil's trying to weave into your heart with that rebellion. Amen? Amen. They consulted together. They took counsel. They deliberated. The rebellious ones did not take full responsibility, but began to bring more on board to their plan, because you know what? They don't want to stand alone at the judgment. <laughs> Maybe they can hide behind somebody else. 
And it's usually the one that starts it, the one that's hiding in the back. <laughs> Amen. And the ones that have been taken don't understand it all. They're the ones standing in the front. It's the way it works. This is where there is a devious spirit that is seeking harm on another. No gossip is right, but there is a type of gossip that will destroy people on purpose due to jealousy. Folks, all of you in your home, you'll talk about things, you'll talk about your families, you'll talk about the things you go through, you'll talk about the battles that you face. But when you start using that information to hurt people, there is some real bad sin involved. Amen. Real bad sin. Be careful. Keep your spirit right. Keep your heart right. Let us be faithful delegates of God with an excellent spirit like Daniel. It is important to shore up our weaknesses and prepare for the enemy's attack on our lives. Folks, we need to be faithful. Let me ask you this. How is your spirit tonight? Is there guile? Is it contrite? Is it truthful? Amen. Are you committed to the things of God? If there's anything wrong in your spirit, you don't have an excellent spirit. How can God use us? Amen. I know we all can have the Lord work on our lives. We all need help. We all need to grow. But you know what? Let's start that process. Let's go to the Lord and say, Lord, I confess these things before you. And I want to do right. I want to do the right thing. Amen. That's how it begins. From there, the Lord will help us along.